I want you to open up your Bibles this morning in Philippians, the book of Philippians. Now, at the end of last year, I said that we will uh, we will start a new book this year, and uh, I endeavor to work through the the letter of Peter. So we're going to start in the letter of Peter and work through the Bible verse by verse, as you know. But this morning, I do want to do some work in Philippians. So if you have your Bible, please open up there and. We're going to see what the Lord wants to tell us for this first Sunday in the year 2019. Let's think of that, 2019. Have you ever thought coming to this? Next year will be 2020. I remember in the 1990s, we thought that in 2020 we were going to have flying cars. You remember that? All people were talking about that. Well, it's not there yet. Uh, now they're talking about 2040. May the Lord come before then. Amen. Seeing what's going on in the world. Friends, what we need now is more than ever is Jesus Christ. Not only for the world, but in your life. So uh, this morning I want to touch and open up in Philippians. And I want to talk to you. The topic this morning is finding confidence in this world. Finding confidence in this world. How can we find confidence? Anything of those things on the board there will happen to you this year. You're going to have challenges this year coming your way. Who knows that? You're going to have good times coming your way. You're going to have sad times. This is just life. It's the nature of life that's happening around us. And anything of those... Sometimes you might go into situations not with a lot of confidence. Not with certainty. If there's one thing that the world put a massive question mark around is the word certainty. Because we certainly do not know what the day of tomorrow brings. Only God knows. Only God knows. So if you want to know, it's not to go and see the fortune teller. You know that old lady sitting there with the crystal ball and just looking into nothing. It's not there that you're going to find the answer. You find it in Jesus. And may I say you find it in the Word of God. If you want to know what's on the mind of God, study the Word of God. And now what a privilege it is. What a wonderful privilege it is for us to grow year... You know what I say, brothers and sisters? I say, Lord, thank you for saving me for for reaching 2019. You want to know why? Because this year I'm going to learn more about God. This is what I'm saying. Brett, this year I want to learn more about God. More about His character. Because the more I learn about His character, the more He changes my character. It's, it's not just something I'm sucking out of my thumb, brother and sister, ladies and gentlemen, men, women. It's not something I just grab out of thin air. It's written in the Word of God because the Bible says He changes us day by day into the image of His Son. Who knows that? So that when He appear, we might be like Him. Are you there? I'm by far not there yet. I've still got a lot of growing to do. A lot of growing up to do. I've grown a lot, but I still need to grow more. 
But this I want to do this year is know more about Him. Learn more about His character so that He may change my character. It's like that river running from its origin, from the fountain where it comes out of the water and it runs through this land. You've heard me say this before. And wherever the river runs, it blesses. May the Lord bless you to be a blessing in this world. You walking around with your beautiful smile, with joy in your heart, touching other people, you know what it rubs off? It rubs off joy unspeakable and full of glory. Is that you this year? Or have you started this year saying, Oh, it's another year, 2019, how are we going to get through this thing? Oh, probably. Oh, we just made it through 18. We just stumbled over 18. Oh, there's 19 again. The way you leave is the way you will enter. No, let the joy of God soak up in your heart. You know what the word of God says? He said, he poured out his love into our hearts. To do what? To walk around with this love in your hearts and keep it for ourselves? What do you do with the love in your heart? You tell me, shout it out. Come on, tell me. Share it. With whom? With yourself? Sitting there on a rock and going, me, myself and I. Hey, listen, me, I'm going to share you love. Zoop, there's love for you from me to me. I had a gift like that last year in December. I saw this beautiful thing, Andre. I walked past it and I go, I wonder if anybody's going to buy that thing for me. <laughs> so I worked a plan. So what is the plan, Oscar? From, come on, you fill in the bag, Amps. From, it starts with a D. From dad to dad. I had one of those under the tree. <laughs> but you see, this is how people live in life. It's only about me. No, no, God gave us love to share and to pour out into other people's hearts. And we learn so much about it by this man called Paul. He writes this letter to this church. Look at him in Philippians chapter 1. We're just going to do a little bit of work this week in Philippians. And next week, Lord willing, we will start in the book of Peter. And man, is that going to be a blessing. Well, turn to Anne and say it's going to be a blessing. Say it. Yeah, tell her. Yeah, it's going to be a blessing. Not because I preach it, because it's the word of God. Amen. Now, here in Philippians, Paul writes the following to this church. He says, Paul and Timothy... Bond servants of Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. A bond servant is somebody who gives himself over. He's not a slave under duress. He's somebody who comes and he offers himself. That's what a bond servant is. Of whom? Of Jesus Christ. The best one you can be a bond servant of is Jesus Christ. Don't be a servant and a slave to your job. Don't be a servant and a slave to your boss. Don't be a servant and a slave to your husband. Don't be a servant and a slave to your wife. Don't be a servant and a slave to your children, but be a servant and a slave to Jesus Christ. Because if you are a servant and a slave to Jesus Christ, all of the others will be taken care of. There's a message in itself just there. And then he says to all the saints, capital saints, in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts all of his letters like that. Identify himself, him and Timothy are together at this point in time. And they are writing this 
to all of the bishops and deacons in Philippi, but also in Karim Downs to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship. Now look at this, in Philippi, we find him in his journey coming in Acts chapter 16 through that region. He came, uh, they wanted to go into Europe and then the Holy Spirit stopped them. And he had a Macedonian call to come over to this side. And he entered into that place in Asia. And where did he land? He landed in Philippi. You can read all about it in Acts 16. This was a Roman colony. You say, why is that important? It's a Roman colony. The Romans at that stage was in charge of the whole region. And in Philippi, Roman law was practiced. Uh, Philippi was one of those places where a lot of the army generals from the Roman armies who retired, they went to this place and they retired there. If you walk through it, it felt as if you're in Rome. It was a Roman colony. Uh, and there they entered into this place looking for an opportunity to preach the gospel. Not to go and see how the city life is. Not to go and see what's hanging around or the culture. No, they go to preach the gospel. They wanted to preach the gospel to these people. And uh, they came on a Sunday down to the riverside. And at this riverside, there's women there. And they are praying. The best thing you can do, my friend, this year is pray. Go on your knees and pray. And they find a lady there by the name of Lydia. She was a, uh, selling purple in, in Thythria. And you know what? She's a very rich lady. To make purple in those days was very, it wasn't a common thing to do. But you know what really struck me when I read this passage about Philippi? It says there that the Lord opened up her heart. This is important for us to understand. There in Acts chapter 16, 14, now a certain woman by the name of Lydia heard us, Paul, and, and they went and they spoke there, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thythra, who worshipped God. See now, she worshipped God. And I want to say at this point in time, a God who she didn't know yet. Do you know there's a lot of people in churches like that? They worship through association. They're only associated to a church. You talk to them. You go out and you talk to them. You say, brother, sister, how is your Christian walk? Oh, no, we belong to a church. Oh, we worship. And then they will tell you all about the church, but they never tell you about Jesus. I find it amazing. Friend, he saved you and me to have a relationship with him, not with the church. Kingsway Christian Fellowship means nothing. It's only a name that we come together here. This name will be gone. It will be absolutely gone. I mean, in New Zealand, the church name was Agape Christian Ministries. Is it there still? No. In the Bible, there was a church of Ephesus. Is it there? No. No. The ministry lives inside of your heart, brother and sister. It's that relationship you have with Him. And here... It says that she worshipped God, but it says the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Has the Lord opened up your heart? Let, let me tell you one thing this morning. You can do whatever you do. If God does not open up your heart, my friend, you're only worshipping. You're only worshipping. But you need to land on your knees and you need to cry out to a living God and say, 
Father of heaven and earth, open up my heart so that I may hear the wondrous things of your law. Did you know that the psalmist cried this out? That's his words. There in Psalm 119 verse 18, he says, Open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law. Is that your cry? Can you really hit yourself on the chest and say, Lord, open my heart. She was worshipping there Sunday after Sunday, putting all the effort, going to church, pack the car, dress up, make up, all of the things, what you want to call it. All the efforts was there. Went down to the riverside, down by the riverside. Sit there and pray and worship God. But it is when the men came and they proclaimed the gospel to them. You know what happened? God opened up their hearts. And what happened? Once He opens up your heart, you receive Him. And that relationship starts. Now there's something special about that relationship. Now He starts to declare to you His character, His person. Oh, He fills you with joy. He opens it up to you. He looks after you. You're His child now. He's a sovereign God. He knows you're coming and you're going. She's a privileged lady, wouldn't you say? How wonderful is it when God opens up the heart of somebody and He speaks to them. What Lenny's doing on the street, He's just proclaiming. He's just sowing seeds. He's just, what I'm doing right here now is I'm just sowing seed. I'm, I'm sowing the word. But if you sit there, my friend, your heart needs to be open to receive the word. If it's not going to be received in your heart, all you're going to do is worship. That's all. And look, it's easy to worship. In fact, some people will say it's lacquer, lacquer to worship uh, in English translation. Oh, it's a great joy to worship. You know, we can harp, we can clap, we can hallelujah. But if God did not open your heart to receive the gospel, it will not change your life, my friend. Where are you this morning? You don't have to give an account to me and an answer to me, but you give an account to God. So what is the opposite of an open heart? You tell me. Come on. A closed heart or a hardened heart. That's the opposite. You see this lady, I can imagine it, I can picture it sitting there every Sunday and all the other ladies come together and they worship this God who they've heard of. But then this day, Paul comes up here and he proclaims the gospel and the light. Oh, and the joy that fills their soul. You know what she immediately did? She invited him. She said, don't go. Oh, it's so nice. Paul, when you speak the words of God, it's so nice. It is, it is bringing life into us. You know what's the opposite? It is hardness of heart. Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 12. I find this fascinating. At this point in chapter 18, the, the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. There's a potter there. He gives him a message. Jeremiah walks into the potter's house and, and on that little round thing on the clay tablet, the potter works out and, and it's misformed there. And it, you, Have you seen a potter working on stuff? It all goes fine and it's misformed and then he scraps it up and he puts another lump of clay on there and starts working it out. And while he do that, the Lord speaks to Jeremiah. He says, I want you to go and talk to this nation. I'm bringing something upon them. 
If they do not turn away from their wicked ways, it will be like that clay. I can fashion it. This is my translation, by the way. I can fashion it into the most beautiful ornament in God's house. But if they will not lay, it's like that first lump of clay which will not be fashioned. And you know what happens? He throws it off and he puts on a new lump of clay. This is the message from God. And that message hasn't changed. It's still the same message today. But see what happens. Jeremiah say this to the people. And one would think they would be like Lydia. And, and allow God to open up the heart. So that she receives those wonderful things. But these people, Jeremiah 18.12, he says, And they said... They say, oh, the say of people. Everybody's got to say today, don't they? They said, that is hopeless. You know what happens? You go to somebody and you say, in your dire problems that you have today, the answer is Jesus Christ. And you know what they will say? Come on, you shout it out. Hopeless. That is hopeless, Jeremiah. So we will walk according to our own plans. And oh dear boy, there is the problem right there. You know, there's Jeremiah standing there. He gives them this and they turn on them and they say, no, 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 no. That's a hopeless plan, man. You know what we're going to do? We're not going to turn away from our wicked ways. And we will everyone obey the dictates of his evil heart. You know what the word dictates there means? The stubbornness of their own hearts. The biggest problem in today's world is stubbornness. The biggest problem in fights and feuds is stubbornness. Is stubbornness. A stubbornness is a hardened heart. It's not an open heart. And I want to say if your heart is open, you will not see the wondrous things of your of the law. You cannot come to this Bible. You cannot open up the, the scriptures and read it with a stubborn heart. You will see nothing. You will come to me and you say, I can't see what you see. And you're right. I'm not going to you know, disagree with you. In uh, Matthew chapter 13, same thing happened here. This is Jesus himself speaking around the parables. He says, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. And brother and sister, are we living in a time when people's hearts have grown dull? They do not want to hear the word of God anymore. They don't. They'll water it down. They'll throw it out and will praise it with what? With worship. What did Lydia do? Come on, you tell me. She worshipped, didn't she? Oh, what's wrong, brother? What's wrong, sister? We are worshipping. She worshipped. And you know what they do these days? They grow the churches dull because there's not strong preaching of the word anymore. I'll tell you what will get rid of the dullness in churches, the preaching of the word, David. They need to preach sin. They need to print, uh, 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 preach repentance. Come to the cross. But they won't. Because they will run. They won't fill churches. They will look at a church like this and say, have you seen your new banner on the outside? I'm putting down there, we preach the Bible verse by verse, line by line, precept upon precept. You, they will drive past. They'll go, oh, that's one of those fundamental churches there. No, let's go to our dull house. Not dull house, dull house. You get that? Let's go and play with the dolls in the dull house. I said that quickly, yeah. But this is the problem these days. Jesus said their hearts... Now look at this. Look at this. Did their hearts start a dull? No, it's grown dull. Okay? It grown dull. The ears, heart of hearing, and the eyes have closed. 
lest they should see their eyes and hear with the ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that they should heal. Why should their eyes be open in their hearts? So that they may turn. Turn. Turn unto Jesus. He cares. He cares. He speak to them in parables because the people when he spoke it plainly didn't want to hear it. The Bible for some people today is a parable. Some people will walk and come and sit in here and listen to my sermons and say, Jeez, that guy's getting crazy. That's fine. But I preach the word of God. And you know what, brother and sister? He will open up your heart to hear and understand the word of God. Romans chapter 2 verse 5, he says, But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are tracing up for yourself what? Wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So the one versus the other. The open heart receiving the blessing and the joy of God versus what? The wrath. And I'm telling you today, it's not 2019. Time is flying fast. And you sit here and say, I still want to live my life and enjoy it the way that I want. Let me take you back. You, you, you still want to say, that's hopeless. That's still what you want to say. I've got so much time up my sleeve. So we will walk according to our own plans, preacher. Let's walk according to our own plans. I'm working in Philippians and I wonder how I got to this. We're talking about Lydia, brothers and sisters, how the Lord opened up their heart. Now look at this now. He opened up her heart and she invited them into her house. Now I know these are just the messengers of God. I know it's Paul. There's nothing special about Paul. Let me say it again. People go crazy about Paul. They put him on a pedestal. Oh Paul, if only we can have Paul these days preaching to us. We will go to Paul's church. There's nothing special about Paul. His name, Paul means little one. And he will tell you, he'll be the first one telling you that. I'm not belittling him. But you know, if Paul would stand here today, he says, I must diminish and he must increase. It's not about Paul, it's about Christ. So when they preached to them, Lydia and the ladies could see Christ in them. And you know what really in, in, generated or made a heart feel good? I'm finding words here. It's my first preaching sermon. I need to get the English vocabulary. What made her really, really good is the word that he spoke to her. And you know what she said? Well, we need them in our house. Friends, where is Jesus this morning? Is he in your house or is he outside? He needs to be in your house. Now they went into the city there and there's this girl following Paul all the time. She's a demon possessed. She tells fortunes and they make money out of her. And she walks behind them and she says, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Was she right? Yes, they were pre pre preaching the gospel. And everywhere Paul went, she's behind him and saying the same thing over and over again. Paul, it says in, in fact in Acts, he, he got annoyed with her. You say, what? How can you get annoyed with somebody saying something that's true? You need to test the spirit. I think we're starting on a good base this year. This year, brothers and sisters, test the spirit. Test my spirit when I preach. Test every sermon that you hear. 
You know, she comes and she says these things, she turns around to her and he rebukes the spirit and he casts him out and out comes the spirit, the demon. Oh, now she can't do it anymore. And her owners can't make money out of it anymore. They got so furious with them. So they hyped up all of the people in the city. And they grab Paul and Silas and they bring them in there before the magistrate and say, These people, they are teaching a different gospel here. And you know what happened? These magistrates, they said, Beat them! And they started beating these men to an inch of their lives. Throw them into jail. And there they sit in jail. And I tell you, friend, if a lot of people go through a lot of problems, they sit there, Oh, life is so hard on us. See what happened to us. Lord, we are preaching your word and now this happens. Not these men. They sit there and what did they do? They started praising God, singing songs. And midnight there's an earthquake that comes. I'm just fast tracking through this. I hope you're okay with that. I was going to do it anyway. And it fast tracking through. And there's a massive earthquake that shakes this place. The door opens up. And the jailer, this was a brutal man. You think this was a nice guy? The jailer? The jailers weren't good guys in that dungeon there. He comes running out because it's a Roman colony. If you let a prisoner go, you are penalized, judged to death. And you know what happens? He comes out. He sees the doors open. He pulls out. He was going to kill himself. Paul says, wait a minute. We are all here. We didn't run away. We are not like those bad crooks, you know, trying to get out and do it again. And he gave his heart to the Lord and they went into his house. How wonderful is the gospel of God. This is now Paul writing to these people. And you know, he writes to them and he says the following words to them. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I would think that if they, I mean, well let's face it, these people came and they beat them to an inch of of their death. You would walk away from that city and go, never again do I put my feet in that city. Oh, I can feel the pain in myself. Ha, oh, those people, who do they think they are? And start gossiping about them and bad-mouthing them. That's what people do these days, don't they? But not Paul. He writes back to them. He says, grace and peace to you. I don't think the first things that you, when being beaten down, will be thinking grace and peace, will you? He would think, get me out of here. He writes this. He said, grace to you and peace. Now, grace is the cause and peace is the effect. Think of this. Grace is the cause and peace is the effect. And peace always comes after grace. You don't get peace before grace. Your life is a mess right now. You say to everybody around you, my life is a mess. I'm looking for peace. But I'm telling you this morning, you're looking for peace at the wrong place if you don't look where Jesus is. Because He's the only one who can give you peace. And how does He give you peace? Through grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. That not of yourself. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourself. It is a gift of God. So here you sit this morning and you tell, talk to me about peace. The first question I'm going to ask you is, do you know Jesus? Have you met Him at the cross? Have you come to the cross? Because that is where you will find peace, friend. You cannot find peace before grace. What the world is doing right now is they are chasing peace at the nightclubs. 
all these other places. Will they find him? No, peace will be like that shadow that evades them. The word therefore, grace is charis, and by in those days, this was a greeting that they did. When people would walk past each other, they would say grace. They would say charis, charis. That is a greeting like we say hi. Or when we sign off on a letter, we'll say yours sincerely. They would say charis every time in the day. This is what he uses. But what Paul is doing uniquely, he's taking the old Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, and he brings those two together. And he says, the one is the cause, and the other one is the effect. Charis is the declaration of God's love towards us. He gave us something which we did not deserve. He gave us life. We did not deserve that. And peace, on the other hand, is the result uh, for us to know that peace. And he writes this to him. Now, I find it fascinating, the following verse, verse 3. I find this absolutely fascinating. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. What did I just tell you what happened to him in Philippi? If it was me writing this, and remember he's writing it to the church, I get that. But still, there's this memories. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do, but there's memories that sits there, isn't it? This brain is a wonderful thing that God has created. I mean, you can sit here and, and be in a different place right now. All of a sudden, I've shocked everybody back into this place. <laughs> now he's going to call me out. But memories are there. And here he writes to them, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance, even when I was sitting in jail. I thank my God for that. You see, when we go through difficult times and things happen to us that we don't like happening to us, there's a reason behind it. God is teaching you something. He's showing you how you are reacting in that circumstances. Not for Him to see, but for you to see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach slow through this, this part now here, okay? Because I want it to sink in. You're going through a difficult time. Everything is in turmoil. You say, Lord, why is this happening to me? I'll tell you why. The Lord wants to show you how you are reacting in that circumstance. Because He already knows how you're going to react. Because God knows the past, the present, and the future all in one. He already knows your conversations you're going to have tomorrow. So, really? Well, the angels are taking notes on you. Did you know that? But He's omnipresent. He's more than angels. He knows your thoughts right now. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. And you say, well, you know, I'm going to maybe do a sin on Tuesday. You don't even know you're going to do that. He already knows that. And you know what? He's already forgiven you. But you need to stay at the cross, at the foot of the cross. So even in bad situations, he says, I remember that. And I thank God for that. Now, this is something I want to ask you. Are you thanking God for the bad things that happened in your life? I don't think that's first on your prayer list, isn't it? Oh, yesterday I was hitting away in the garage and a hammer fell on my toe and it was painful. The first thing I'm going to do when I pray tomorrow morning is, Lord, I want to thank you for the hammer falling on my toe. 
Well, maybe there's a lesson in that. Maybe it happened that way and it's just for you to know that you're still alive. <laughs> because if that hammer falls on that toe and you don't feel it, there's big problems. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. But I know this. God is alive and He's omnipresent. And He knows what's going on in your life. And He cares for you. And He wants you to thank Him for the good and the bad. Because life is not always good. You're going to have struggles. And this is what he, this is amazing to me. He says it to them. And he says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests of you, with all of you, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now I want to come to our, to our uh, topic today in verse six. He says, being confident. Listen to this now, brother and sister. Being confident of this very thing. Of this very thing. I love this verse. You need to underline it. It's in your notes. It's our memory verse for the week. I want you to underline it in your Bible. Then I want you to go and learn it like a parrot. Repeat it over and over again. I'm going to tell you why. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is the first message of this church for 2019. This is the first verse that I want you to learn. God has begun a good work inside of each and every one of you. And you know what the word says? It's His. You are His workmanship and He is going to complete that work in you. Mull over it. Think about this. He says, being confident. Now I want you to understand, confident is not bravado. He's not talking about a bravado or a swagger. You know these people are walking around as if they have got a lot of confidence. They've got a swagger in them. I I don't know if I can make a swagger, you know, just, you know, I'm so confident, man. Confident, you know, they've got, it's, it's not, it's not bravado, it's not a swagger, and it's not a pretense of bravery. That's not what it's, it's all about, this confidence. No. It's, it's also not a, a bold brash of self-belief. You know, I'm, I've got, this is what the world teaching everybody. You've got to have a strong self-belief. No, we need to have a God-belief. That's what we need to have as Christians. This is not this confidence here. This confidence is more a quiet type of confidence, my friends. This confidence is an expression of trust in something or someone. This is what this confidence talks about. A trust in something or someone. Now, in who is this trust? He says, confident of this very thing, that who? He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. You see, this someone here he talks about is that God works through Jesus and now through the Holy Spirit in your day in life every single day. He's working in you. Uh, David Ring was a man, he had cerebral palsy and he's a singer. And I love it when he speaks, he's got a little bit of a slur. He sang on the Gaither videos and he was sitting there one day and this is his words. He spoke to, to, um, uh, what's, what's, uh, Bill, the guy then. He said to Bill, he says, Bill, he says, I'm still in the oven and God is standing in the kitchen. He's still cooking on me. He says, one day God's going to open up the oven and pull me out. You see, he's working on us, friends, being confident of this one thing. He writes to that church. He says that he who has begun a good work, this good work that he's begun in all of your hearts is salvation. 
Are you saved sitting here this morning? Did you come to the cross? That's the work that God started in you. Salvation. He begun a good work. He will complete it. Let me show you what really excites me about this. Look at the tenses here. What tense is that? He has begun. What tense is that? Past tense. Will complete it. What tense is this? Future tense. It's present future tense. He has begun a good work on you. And you know what he's doing? He will continue and complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This verse means so much to me. I can testify on this verse for you right through my life. What you're seeing, brother and sister, ladies and gentlemen, men, women, whatever you want to be called this morning, if you look at me this morning, this is not the complete work of God. By far not. But I know this, and I'm confident in this, that He's working. He's working on me. He's working in me. He's working through me. You know, you see, confidence brings certainty. Confidence brings certainty. The confidence in God brings certainty. You say, how can I get confidence for life in 2019? Work on this verse. He's working on you. This year in 2019, He's going to work with you. Wherever you go, He's going to grow you. He's going to work on you. And He will complete that work in you. He will do that. He will. I'm so confident of this. You see, salvation includes a threefold work. The work of God does for us. Who saved us? He saved us. Did you save yourself? You can't save yourself. Then it's the work God does in us. That's called sanctification. What does sanctification mean? Set apart. Every day you study your Bible, what does He do? He changes you into the image of His Son. The more you study the Bible, the more you realize you don't belong in the world anymore. Is that right? But then He says you are in the world, but not of the world. Yes? So He changes us daily into the image of His Son. He's sanctifying us. He's setting yourself apart. You don't do the things you used to do anymore, do you? The things I used to do, I do them no more. Things I used to do, I do them no more. The things I used to do, I do them no more. It's a glad day when I was born again. You can't continue. You can't continue your, your sinful life and proclaim to be a child of God. You can't serve two masters. But let me tell you, let me give you a shocking revelation. You can't change yourself. Only He can. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 and 9, if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Instantaneously you are saved. Your sins are you forgiven. But then the verse continues on. And He will cleanse you from your unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is your way of living. How you live this life. You're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. But allow Him, once your heart is open, to change you from the inside out, to live a life acceptable to Him. There's two kinds of lives to live. Righteous and unrighteous. Righteous is to live a life acceptable to God. Unrighteous is to live a life acceptable to me. Shall I take you back to Jeremiah? It's hopeless! Are you one of those? Let's be fair and straight about it. Now, listen to me this morning. Listen to me very carefully. I don't know this morning 
your circumstances. Whether you're a child of God, some people might be sitting and they say, I'm a child of God. I don't know. I can see. I can see on the outside and I can say, Lord, that person is worshipping or that person is coming every time. But God knows and you know. The Bible says only, only the Spirit of God in you will know that you're a child of God. Yes? And I'm sure that you can testify that God has done a lot of things for you. Can you testify that? He's brought you a long way, isn't, hasn't he? He's looked after you, well looked after you. So friend, why will God in this verse, when he says he's confident that, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, why will God bring you all this way to this point and let you now go? Why will he leave you? He will not. And you know how this verse becomes live for me. When I think about this verse, and I think sometimes I, you know, oftentimes I spoke to a few of you, you know, circumstances change at work, the circumstances change, you know, even health can come in. Health can come in and, you know, you wake up and you've got a pain in your chest and you go, oh, oh, is this what, what's going on here? All of these things happen. Have confidence in God that He who started the good work in you will complete it until the end of Jesus Christ. My lovely wife, a couple of months ago, had to quote this verse back to me. She said, do you think the Lord would have brought us out of New Zealand to Australia to this point and then says, okay, you're on your own now, let's see how this happens. No, He's working on us. Take confidence in this verse this year. That the work that he will do, until when will he complete it? He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's finish off this morning. Have you received something from the Lord already this morning? Are you challenged by his word already this morning? Brother and sister, my commitment this year is not to preach out of myself. I just want to preach his word. Because his word will change lives. His word will change lives. Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, he says to them, Just as it is right for me to think of you, think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Oh, do you love the passion of this man? I have you in my heart. How passionate is this? He hasn't forgotten any of them. And I want to believe that when the pastor of Philippi came to him and said to him, Paul, I just want to bring you, in fact, you know, the Philippians is one of the churches sent him a gift. They sent him, either whether it was money or clothing or food, they sent him something. The pastor turns up there and he says, Paul, we bring you this. I give you a good account of this church. I, I want to think that maybe Paul sat there and he said, how is this brother going? And mention him on the name. How is Will doing? How is Anne doing? How is Kylie doing? I believe this man, Paul, knew everybody there. And I believe when he prayed for them, he mentioned their names before the Lord every day. So he says to them, I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains, in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. I just want to leave this one thing with you. Coming back to the previous verse. He says, I'm confident in this very thing that you have started a good work will complete it until the day. Then he says to them, inasmuch as my chains and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This man, at that point in time when he wrote this, was sitting in jail. But not jail as we know it. He had his own rented house. You know, this is one of the things. 
When he was there in Philippi, they really beat them hard. They nearly killed them. Then the magistrates, the next morning when the earthquake happened, they came out. The jailer went and said, no, those guys are sitting in my house. And the magistrate, let him go quietly out of the city. They're feeling embarrassed. The jailer came there to Paul and he says, Paul, you know, you're free to go. Look at this, man, they're going to let you go. But they said, you must, you must go out quietly. Paul says, no nonsense. I'll have none of this. This is my translation, by the way. He says, no. You see, this is the thing. We were Romans. He was a Roman. Paul is a Roman and, and they beat at Romans. They were not allowed to do this. He wasn't going to let them get away. So he approached them. And they begged him. Here were the people yesterday said, beat him. Now there's a different beer. Beg. You see the difference? Beat, beg, beat, beg. They are begging them now. They say, please, please don't make an issue out of this. But here is the thing, friends. He's sitting now in Rome. He's sitting in jail. He's, he's tied to a soldier. And you know what he says? He says, the work that God started to me, he will complete it. Even in that circumstances, he didn't write to them and said, Oh, you know, I can't even go anywhere. Have you imagined yourself being tied to somebody for 24 hours? Just going to try it at home. Even your wife? Your husband? Take a piece of rope and tie you, tie it around. <laughs> you can't go where you want to go. You're stuck. <laughs> She wants to go there and I want to go there. There you go. It's, it's a pool. This man was sitting, you know, people romanticize this. They go, oh yeah, now it's, it's all of these things in a row. No, he was sitting with this man. What, what if the guy, yeah. What if the guy didn't have a shower and he had to sit with him for eight hours? What if he had a, a bad breath? <laughs> You know, I, I get myself getting in a taxi sometimes and, it, and, and I have to open up windows and I can't wait until the ride's over. This man's sitting in. You, you, say, you say, where are you getting with, where are you going with this preacher? Well, here's the thing. I just gave you all of the excuses that I would have had. If I write this letter, I would have said, please, please, church of Kingsway, come down, pray for me to get out of this situation. This guy's breath is stinking. He didn't have a shower. And he's a free sweater, by the way, as well. He sweats all the time. And his skin is against mine, and I constantly have to wipe it off. Have you felt that? Is, is that what he's doing? No. He says the work that he has started in me, that he has started in me, even if I have to sit with this guy now, I want to say to you now, I believe these men who were chained to him were, were not your ordinary soldiers. They were really, you know, they, they made the highest grade in the Roman. They were sitting there. Now what did he do? He saw it as an opportunity to preach the gospel to them. And in the meantime, he says, God, you are working on me. You are, his breath is thinking, I don't care, man. I'm going to tell him about Jesus. Then the guy is sitting there. I've got him for eight hours. Now, flip the coin. Flip the coin. Think of that poor man sitting there if he's not a Christian. He's sweating. He's got a breath and everything. And this man just keeps on telling him about Jesus. Keep on telling him about just like he did it with Lydia. And that man gets there after eight hours and walks back into the kitchen. and says, oh man, you should hear that guy going on, man. He's just talking about Jesus. Is that a good or a bad thing? It's a good thing.
being confident this year, brother and sister, that the work that he has started in you, he will complete it. Now, if somebody can call my beautiful wife, we'll sing a song. But let me say at the end here, if I disappoint you this year, if I do, and if, if I sweat a little bit, or if my breath smells a little bit, <laughs> just think of this, okay? The work that the Lord has begun in me, He will complete. And if you do that for me, I'll do the same for you, okay? Is that, is that okay? Is that a deal? <laughs> what, what if we could tie, you know, if I could tie the whole church down and say, now we tie everybody down for the next four hours, man. We will have a wonderful time, Deirdre, isn't it? We will preach, man. We've got two Deirdre sitting next to each other, so I need to see now which Deirdre I'm talking to. Hey, Theo, we will have a good time for three hours. And you say, preach it, brother. You say, but wait a minute, you've got to, after a while, this, you know. Friends, the work that he's starting you and me, he will complete. You are his workmanship. Hold on to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the wonderful words that you inspired Paul to write so that we can hear it today. Thank you for the work of salvation that you started in our lives. Thank you now, Lord, that you work in us in sanctification. The Bible says, be holy for God is holy. Father, we can't by ourselves become holy, but we can trust on the Holy Spirit to work on us day by day to change us into the image of your Son. And then, Father, work through us. Work through us, Lord. Touch through me, Lord. And we pray this. Father, I pray for this church for this year. We are excited, Lord.